it's very hard to um, have a voice out there if you don't have the fruits. Yeah. You see, because people, they want to change the government, they want to change the world, but look at your own life. So it's like, you first need personal success, and then when you speak out your credibility, and that's what it's about. Governments, presidents, they're just puppets. They don't have the skills to grow an economy because they are politicians, they're not business people. Yeah. So why do you want to give those people that don't have the skills more money? Well, the people, they are against saving. Hmm. They don't save at all. Yes. That's the dumbest thing you can do because... It's dead money. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace. Your money dies there. And I mean, you put your money with a bank. At least if you spend it, you get something out of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Monty Hook. And today I sit with Richard Harrington, an investor, entrepreneur, and philanthropist from South Africa. This was a super fun conversation. We went deep down the rabbit hole on financial freedom, investing, building assets, and how we can use this knowledge to make a real difference and leave a legacy of impact. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Guys, I have a very important announcement. Lighthouse is opening in Bali in 2021. In the midst of this chaos with the world locked down, businesses and livelihoods being destroyed and people living in fear, we need people more than ever to step up. We need you to share your voice, share messages of hope, inspiration, wisdom, and visions for an era of new possibilities. With three soundproof video and podcast production studios, with high-end equipment and the ability to live stream and record to a live audience, Lighthouse is one of the world's best facilities for entrepreneurs, speakers, podcasters, YouTubers, and content creators to produce and share their most meaningful work. Lighthouse also has a cafe, bar, events, and workspace for entrepreneurs and creators. This is an amazing space you will want to hang out in. Whether you are already in Bali or you want to put this on your bucket list to travel to Bali and co-create in the world's most inspiring studios, you'll definitely want to join us here. Head on over to our Instagram at lighthouse.studios.bali or you can find the link at my personal Instagram account at Monty Hook. I look forward to seeing you in Bali. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook and I'm in the studio in Bali today, joined by Mr. Richard Harrington. Hi guys. Thank you so much for coming in, man. My pleasure. Man, you got a good smile. Yeah. <laughs> Stop happy, it. <laughs> happy vibes and you got the safari suit on. Yeah. You're from uh, South Africa, yeah? Yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, from Cape Town. Cape Town. Yeah. And uh, so what, how'd you end up in Bali, man? Well, we came on a three-month holiday uh, to Bali, and then our flights back to South Africa was cancelled because of lockdown. Yeah. So a three-month holiday uh, turned into a full year, and now it's our second year now in Bali. Yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> so you're probably most well-known for um, creating financial freedom for yourself at, what, 20, 24 years old? Yeah, yeah, 24. How old are you now? Do you mind me asking? I'm 33. How much? 33. 33. Sorry, I couldn't understand your accent. <laughs> <laughs> right. We need I, subtitles I, at the bottom of this. I get it all the time. Yeah. Don't worry. So um, 
And you, uh, you also educate people as well. So you're a speaker and an educator on financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So what is financial freedom to you? What does that actually mean mm. to you? Because I think it's different for different people, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think it also changes depending on the stage of the journey, life journey that you're at, right? It's yeah, like yeah. freedom. When I was 21, financial freedom would mean I want to make a billion dollars yeah, yeah. and I want to have fast cars and big houses and but it's not really anything to do with freedom. Yeah. Right. So what's it what's it been for you? Yeah, that's a great question because like many people want to be financially free, but they have no idea what it means. Yeah. And they just want money. They yeah. think they just want money, right? <laughs> and I mean financial freedom at its core, it's just when your asset income is enough to sustain your lifestyle. Yes. So you don't not you don't longer need to work. Yeah. You work because it's a choice. you want to and you love what you're doing, but you don't have to work because you have enough assets that sustains your lifestyle. Yeah. So you're living off asset income yep. and and not just active income. And we were he's taught in school to get active income. Yeah. And that's why his most of the world is broke mm. because of what we were taught. Where whereas reason is that the wealthy have one rule, they don't work for money. They yeah. make money is work for them and that's yep. their assets. Yeah. So that's the goal to lift your net worth of your assets then you have enough income to sustain your lifestyle. Yeah. You're financially free. So then the freedom is more around, it's the choices, right? It's like whatever that means to you at that time or that stage of the journey. So how did you achieve that? How did you create that at 24? Give us a story. Give, yeah. us, the, give us the full story, <laughs> the background. You want the dirt. Yeah. You want the dirt. Yeah, so I wasn't raised with money. I never came from money. Um, I went to college. I got a degree in investments and finance. My first job out of college was a junior investment analyst, but the first paycheck I received, I blew it because I wasn't used to money. Yeah. And not just the first paycheck, after two years, I was just spending, wasting money, and I found myself deep in debt, yeah. deep in debt, almost so 100000 You were spending way more than you were earning. Way more, way yeah. more, way okay. more. And, and I thought, is how did I land up here? And, and I couldn't approach my friends because my friends was also in debt and broke. It would have been the blind leading the blind. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I didn't want to share my debt situation because I was embarrassed because uh, I'm a firstborn, I'm the first one with a degree, and I'm the one in debt. Mm. I have a degree in finance, but I can't budget. Yeah. And that's why I tell people that it's not just the schooling system that's broken, it's also the university system that's broken yeah. because professors are just old, slow, and outdated, and they're... Economies are moving so quickly that universities can't keep up. Yeah. And so I did this degree in finance and I couldn't budget. Mm. So I went researching because I'm a an analyst by nature and I read ebooks, I did online courses, I got a coach, I got a mentor. Um, and in 12 months, I just wiped out all of my debt. Yeah. Because I found out ways to hack my mindset and hack my habits. Yeah. And then a crazy thing happened. I was riding his home from work one day and I saw this homeless person at the traffic light and the thought hit me that this guy's also debt free. Because up until that moment, I thought, I'm the man, I made it, I'm debt free, but, but so is the beggar. Mm. He's also debt free. So, so I realized that there's another level. There's I mean, debt freedom and then there's financial freedom. Then I went on a journey uh, for three and a half years uh, to build assets. And then after three and a half years, my returns of my own stock portfolio matched my paycheck as an 
investment analyst and I quit my job. Yeah. And I was, I mean, 24 at the time, it's 11 of my stocks. Yeah. I'm 33 now, so it's my ninth year of complete financial freedom. Oh, cool. And that's my story. It's in a nutshell. <laughs> so what is it? What does the life look like now? I mean, is it tra- is it is it the, the the glamour that you know that kind of gets portrayed by people with being financially free? Is that what it looks like for you, or is it just is it more humble than that? Yeah, it's so crazy because if you look at a real his wealthy person, they're not flashy because yeah. they're secure in their wealth. If you look and you, at and you never hear about them because they don't yeah. need to put themselves out there. And they like never flash at their latest car or their latest house because they're so secure in their wealth. If you look at Warren Buffett, I mean, Steve Jobs, he wore the same mom jeans and turtleneck and he was a billionaire. (laughs) But it's it's people that are trying to front that are really in debt. And if you break it down, you realize that they don't own their house, they owe their house. Mm. They don't own their car, they owe their car. Mm. It's all the bank's money. If you miss one payment, the bank will repossess it because it was theirs. It's all along. And that's what I realized because I was spending like a crazy person because I wanted to prove to people, look at me, yeah. I'm successful. But it was all on credit. Yeah. So it was this fake, this fake life. And when you when you build wealth, you realize it was never about the money or the stuff. It was about the freedom. But did you have to go through that journey of making all the money to figure that out? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> because if someone you can't speak to someone in survival mode that money is not the most important thing. Yeah. They're like, I need to, do, I need to eat, I need to pay my bills. So they're stuck in that survival mode. Yeah. So then, you need to get the stuff to find out um, that it's really you can't fulfill something that's external. Yeah. Can't fulfill an it's internal thing. Yeah. And I think when you realize the purpose of wealth, you know how to grow and multiply your wealth. Yeah. Because if you think the purpose of money is to spend, you'll never have money. The purpose of money is to make more money, which yeah. is invest. So it's all about people that don't know the purpose of money and wealth. Yeah. So they abuse it. Yeah. So we'll come back to maybe a bit, bit later about some of the specifics. I don't know how much details you want to give about like what you're invested in and stuff, but yeah. we'll come back to that. But um, one of the things that is – the world's been pretty weird in the last 18 months or so, mm. right? <laughs> And there's a lot of factors, there's politics, there's health issues, there's, you know, there's viruses, there's, um, you know, all sorts of things. But one of the things that has happened, and I, I actually, I, 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 I've seen snippets of this, but I researched it this morning. And here's a quote that I took from an article. The, the world's billionaires have seen their wealth surge by over 5.5 trillion since the beginning of the pandemic a gain of over 68%. The world's 2,690 global billionaires saw their combined wealth rise from 8 trillion to 13.5 trillion in 18 months. Now, my question to you is, is that a problem? You know, I um, was actually, he's asked to write uh, his article in Forbes magazine for this exact same thing. Yeah. Why do the rich get richer in recessions? And it's basically because of mindset. Because here's what happens. This pandemic, it's nothing new. It's every 10 years we have a recession or a crash. So 10 years ago it was uh, that subprime housing mess. Yep. And a decade before that was the dot-com bubble. 
If we track it all the way back to the Great Depression, we've had crashes every decade. So what's my point? These wealthy people, they become richer is in recession because they can recognize the pattern. Mm. The poor become poorer because they freak out and panic. They think this is the end of the world, it's doom yeah. and gloom, and, and they do crazy stuff. Whereas, whereas the wealthy has a mantra that every crisis is an opportunity. Yeah. And I mean, it's very it's easy uh, to form conspiracy theories out of this because we have the data, but mm. we need to go deeper that why does this keep on happening? Yeah. Especially like in the States where they, where they gave stimulus checks to the citizens, like that would never yeah. is happen in a developing nation, but happened in the States, um, yeah. in Canada. Where did that money go? It's, it's not, not into assets. It's, 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 tr it's moving hands. Yeah, but they just spent that money. Yeah, exactly. Because of mindset. Yeah, yeah. See, if you give a wealthy person a million bucks, they already have the mindset and the strategy to multiply that yeah, to yeah. two million, to ten million. If you give the average person a million bucks, they have the mindset around to spend it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's not really about the money. It's about it's about the mindset yeah. and but, the strategies. But let me go take us a little bit deeper because I agree with you, right? And because my my philosophy for myself is it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. I'm responsible for my own wealth and what happens outside is, has no impact on on me. And if it does, well, then, you know, I'm not being accountable for my own life, right? But how much manipulation is there by some of the world's biggest billionaires to manipulate the markets and manipulate systems because they control media, they control, you know, they control the narratives. And what you're saying before about people getting into debt so easily I think that that's a broken system. That's a broken culture. But it works for these super wealthy people. They're getting wealthy off other people being in debt, right? So I happen to think that on some level, not everybody, but some of them, they know this. They know the system and they have the capacity and the ability to potentially manipulate people to stay in debt so that when these things do happen, they can strike and take advantage and then they just get wealthier and wealthier. Now, I agree, they had to have that mindset. They have to have that skill. They have to have that ability. But where's the balance in where it's you're taking advantage of, of people and you're manipulating people versus, okay, I'm just uh, taking advantage uh, ethically? Yeah. Monty, I love this chat because it's, <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> it's what I do. I literally break, um, break the stigma that people have with money and finances and wealth. Because at the end of the day, if you look at what money is, it's just a tool that can be used for bad or good. So yes, there's bad millionaires and billionaires out mm. there, but there's also good millionaires and billionaires out there. So then it's not the money. Yes. It's the, it's the heart of the person behind the money. And that's why when I, when I speak, like my signature talk is my three secrets of the top 1% in the world. Yep. And, and my goal is not to attack them, but to join them. Like what? Why? Because the more blessed you are, the more you can be the blessing. Mm. If you're broke, you can't help anyone. So they have strategies and tools learn from them, except you'll be one of the good ones. Yeah. You will use your wealth well for social and maybe, change and maybe you can have some influence over them exactly alongside them but i mean it's very it's very hard to um have a voice out there if you don't have the fruits yeah you see because people they want to change the government they want to change the world but look at your own life so it's like you first need personal success 
And then when you speak out, you have credibility. And that's mm-hmm. what it's about. It's about just finding a model that you can replicate. Like Warren Buffett is my number one role model. He had the model and I just just replicated it. And four years later, I was financially free. Yeah. But but what attracted me to Warren Buffett is it's not that he has a net worth of 100 billion. It's that he gave away so far more than 30 billion. Yeah. And like he, he says that mantra that uh, is more we have, the more we must give. I even read something that he wants to give everything away before he dies. Yeah, 99% of 99% his of it. net worth. And that's the purpose of money. It's yeah. to, I mean, distribute it. Yeah. So if you look at, I mean, poverty and his homelessness, there's not a lack of money. There's enough money on this planet to feed everyone. Yes. It's blocked in the distribution chains. Yes. But I happen to think that it's blocked by people who have this power, they have this capacity to manipulate. Yeah, but it's done that because there's a disconnect yep. with with each other. Yeah. So it's like I don't want it's to a spiritual question rather than a Definitely. Yeah. It's connected. It's like if I saw you as my um legitimate son or brother, I'd want to feed and help you. But if you across the world, I won't feed and help you, I'll fly to space because I'm disconnected. We're disconnected with each other. Yeah. And so if we bring that connection back, we'll first help each other and then we will have fun and do crazy stuff, but we've lost that connection. Yeah. I mean, in South Africa, we have a saying, Ubuntu. Um, it's from the Zulu tribe in South Africa and it means I am because you are. Yeah. So I'm happy because you're happy. I'm sad because you said we are one. So, so I'm not free unless we're all free. Because mm. I'm not successful unless we're all successful. And imagine we bring that back to the millionaires and the billionaires yeah. and we have more philanthropists than, than people that just want to hoard and accumulate money. Yeah. This world will be changed. Yeah. One of the issues that I see also is that there are people who are billionaires who are masking some of their potentially non-ethical activities as philanthropy. Right, they are disguising some things that they are doing, and publicly they're saying this is a philanthropic venture. Mm-hmm. But what it's actually doing is it's just making them billions and billions and billions and billions. Yeah. And you pay less tax, and they and they're hurting people at the, at the yeah. same time. So yeah. All right, tax. <laughs> what about tax? <laughs> um, is there? What's your so? What's your take on? Because um, there's a there's a, a lot of divide with people's opinions about tax, right? So obviously, if you're wealthy, you have the capacity to. The system is set up so that you don't have to pay tax. There's all sorts of things you can do, right? So, and it's 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 not that hard, right? So I've got company in Singapore, Australia, here, Philippines, and I've got structures and setups so that it works to my advantage, right? And other people more wealthy, much more wealthy than me, have access to even greater uh, strategies and vehicles to not pay tax. But if there is not tax being paid, then is that, does that mean that there's not going to be infrastructure and systems set up? Are people going to miss out? Like what's your take on the relationship between wealth and tax and what people should be doing, shouldn't be doing? Is there, is there a balance like, you know, because people like Jeff Bezos pay zero percent tax, and then if you make good money in Australia, you pay forty-five percent tax, right? 
but they could potentially legitimately pay much less than that if they were using some vehicles. Is there some kind of balance where everybody could be paying the same and everybody wins? Yeah, look, obviously, I don't believe that if you're poor and is middle class, you should be is heavily taxed. So we should mm. reduce uh, the tax percentages for the poor and middle class. Um, but to attack the rich and be like, yes, why aren't you paying tax? Look, I mean, honestly, <laughs> governments, presidents, they're just puppets. They don't have the skills to grow an economy. Their mandate is just to keep the peace, make sure there's sanitation, make sure there's education. They're not business people. No. So when people look to the president and the government to boost um, his economic growth, that's a joke. Because yeah. they are politicians, they're not business people. Yeah. So why do you want to give those people that don't have the skills more money? Rather hand that to the business owner, entrepreneur, so they can create the actual jobs. Mm. And that's what it's about. And I mean, you, I mean, if someone's in Australia paying 40% tax or 45%, I'm sorry, that's on you. <laughs> like, you're a grown-ass man. You, If you, his hand away, his half of your paycheck to your government, that's on you. Mm. So you need to see a tax professional and... And I mean, I believe that he's know what you do best and outsource the rest. Yeah. So he's, I, he's have a tax guy. I he's have a property guy. I have a business guy. Why? Because I'm in stocks. Yeah. That's my special field. And yeah. I, he's outsourced the rest. So we want to really look at this tax thing on is how can it benefit me? Right. And then what do I do with that profits? Mm. So I am all about... Uh, reducing economic equalities. So the more I is have, the difference I can make. Yeah. And, but yeah, to to reduce the tax levels for the poor and the middle income, that should definitely be yeah. addressed. But to um, attack the top one percent, that is a losing battle because they got their money because they're smarter. Yeah. So it's just it's the more a, regulations put in place, they'll just hide their money. Yeah, it's, it's even further. It's a better strategy to try to join them. Yeah. Yeah. And then and you'll you be one of the good ones. You have some say. You have some influence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned before that there's enough money in the world probably for everybody to be financially free, right? Is there a way to distribute the money more evenly so more people have access to some level of freedom? Because there's a massive separation between, you know, the wealthy and the people living on, you know, a on couple of dollars wage, a day. Yeah. So do you believe that there is a way to solve that? What is the way? Yeah. So like we were saying that money is actually spiritual. It's actually mindset. That's the truth. It's, it's four levels deep with five levels deep. Mm. So we basically have a factory-based education system where you're taught to be factory workers. Unless that changes, the rich yeah. will get richer and poor will get poorer. So... What we need to do is we need to we need to teach people the basics. What is an asset? What's liability? Because you, if you give a wealthy person one dollar, the first thought is, is how can I build the asset? I mean, a column. Yeah. If you give the rest of the world a dollar, is how can I build liability? I mean, a column. So, to I mean, distribute money is out evenly without attaching that with some sort of financial literacy. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So we need to teach people what is an asset and what is the definition of wealth. Wealth is not a fancy car or fancy house. Most of those people are in debt or bankrupt. His wealth is, well, financial wealth 
is accumulation of assets over time. Yeah. So we need to give people, like I tell people, if you have young children, let them have a net worth goal and not a net income goal. Because mm. the more you earn, the more you pay tax. It's not about earning. You can't earn your way to wealth. You invest your way into wealth. Yeah. And if you look at how they rank Forbes list, it's all with the net worth. So we need to we need to teach people is how to think like the wealthy and how to get the mindset of the wealthy and also the is habits of the wealthy. So if you look at wealthy people, they don't take advice from broke people. When broke people are broke because they take advice of other broke people. Wealthy people are wealthy because it's because they take advice from other yeah. wealthy people. So if you're a great family man, you have you have great values, I just take family values from you. I don't take money values from you yeah. because you're broke. Yeah. And if I take money values from you, I'll be broke. I think the issue is that people under, and this is obviously quoted by many people, you know, people underestimate what they can achieve over a long period of time and overestimate what they can achieve mm. in a short amount of time. Yeah, Bill Gates. Yeah, and people want um, instant gratification. So when somebody gets money, well, the first thing they think of is, oh, I want to treat my family. I want to... You know, let's yeah. let's go to Disneyland. Yeah. Let's do this, and it's the instant gratification part. And I think th this comes down to the the education part, but that has to become generational. I wasn't taught anything about money from my parents. Didn't have, you know, for Australian family, we were we were poor. Right? I grew up on a boat, which people might think is like. Wow, you lived on a boat? Luxury. <laughs> wow, you lived on a... Celebrity. No, it was like a trailer on water, yeah. right? Because it's, it's all we could afford and we couldn't afford to pay rent. So he just parked the boat in the middle of the, middle of the harbour, right? And so nobody ever gave me those, those lessons. What I'm going to pass on to my children is going to be very different. And then when they pass it on to their children, well, then I think the world's got a fighting chance if there's enough of, enough of that. It's, a, you know... A, I think it's a generational thing and it's Definitely. so embedded into the cultures that this instant gratification and because the, the, the media plays on it. I mean, that's, you watch the TV and you are fed all this stuff, which dumbs you down and makes you want to consume. Like the amount of shit that people consume is, is ridiculous. That's the world that we're, you know, that we're brought up in. So, do you see any shifts in society and humanity in that regard? Because um, I, I, you know, I, I think that the, the next generation, maybe your generation and even the generation behind us, I think they probably have a different mindset, right? They actually have, they come into this world actually thinking they want to make a difference and it's not all about money and they're not attached to owning things, which is a, which is a big one, right? So, you know, I've always known that it actually Financially, it doesn't make any sense to own your own home. Or it doesn't if you need to take a mortgage on it. If you put yeah, that. You're just making the bank rich. Well, if whatever, you rent a house and then you invest in properties and then you take a mortgage for that. And then you obviously build up assets and you get to that point. But this is not something that is taught to us, right? But I think the new generations. They don't have this. Um, they don't have this attachment to ownership in the same way, because they're in the Airbnb generation, and they can travel the world and they can live free without needing to own anything. Which I think is a good. I think is a good thing. What do you see? Do you observe something similar? Yeah, I like to 
look at it as uh, the there's a shift from the masculine energy into the feminine energy as opposed there's a shift of generational because then that discounts you it discounts me yeah. and we all have a responsibility yeah, to 100%, play yeah so it's like in the past it was just success that feeds the ego that so how can i be successful look at all my toys and that's very masculine and now we're moving into the feminine energy which is success for the collective the success that i have it's success of the small s. Now that I guess, have the financial freedom, I'm healthy, I have good relationships, I've just, I mean, I stabilized the structures. Now what am I going to do? Mm. And that's when you, you want to leave this world better than you found it. Yeah. You want to make a contribution. And yes, a lot of them will come from the younger um, generations, but also uh, the older people that are seeing that shift from the masculine into the feminine the elders like me yeah the the wise ones <laughs> and and i mean like like that includes everybody because because energy is masculine and feminine yeah. it's not gender it's energy yeah and it's not age it's energy so we all can if we're willing to just elevate our consciousness that okay the purpose of of wealth is to create more wealth not to hoard it mm. somewhere because then it stagnates yeah and it's and it's yes to distribute it, but there's millions of dollars or trillions of dollars that changes hands every single day. And people are left left out on the outside looking in because they don't have assets. Yeah. Assets is the only way you play the game. Mm. And we were just taught to get a good job, to get a good house. Both those, both those two things are not assets. Yes. That's what people are broke because that's all our parents and grandparents knew yeah. at the time. But if you have old ways in a new economy you will go broke you need to always re i mean reinvent yourself like the studio that you guys are building reinvent adapt evolve because then you're in alignment yeah. with the universe that's always progressive yeah. many people that refuse to and as one man said in the past if you couldn't read and write you were um, illiterate now the new illiterate are those that refuse to relearn and unlearn yeah so yeah, we can blame the governments and blame COVID and blame the pandemic. But the truth is you read the stats. People are making money. Yeah. So what's your excuse? You don't want to let go of the old world. Mm. You don't want to relearn and unlearn because it's a bit fearful because it's the unknown. But approach it with curiosity. That this is a new world. I'm open. Yeah. Let me try something new. Let me go on Zoom. Let me do live streaming. Let me pivot. And that's a more... I mean, power and way to pre, um, to approach a crisis that I'm not a victim to this economy. Yep. It's I create my own economy. Yeah. And I, I like what you're saying about the, the feminine energy because that's come up a lot yeah. in, on this podcast, not in this context of, of, of finance. Of money. Wow. Interestingly. Love it. <laughs> a lot around, lead, especially around leadership. And when we say feminine and masculine, it's not about man and woman. It's about this uh, – energy of nurturing so the feminine is nurturing so you just mentioned about the studio so lighthouse is you know the project we're building here and actually the energy that is behind lighthouse is that of of nurturing you know awesome. it's like shining a light on your most meaningful message and mm -hmm. you know so our objective as a business is to shine a light on what's important and shine a light on you and it's a it's a nurturing mm. kind of energy and the world needs to go in this direction mm. in whatever field that is, whether it's finance, whether it's business, leadership, politics, especially politics, right? 
So it's a very interesting um, way that you integrate that because usually in the conversations of finance, it is, you know, it's the numbers. It's like, what should you invest in? Like, hmm. here's how you do the maths, mm-hmm. and which is all valid, which is all relevant. But there's, like you said, there's deeper levels, there's deeper layers to this conversation. And you know what? It actually is Warren Buffett said, I'm like stock investing, it's 20% about the numbers. Yeah. It's 80% emotion. Mm. Master your fear, master your greed, make a lot of money. Yeah. And when I went to the root cause of my debt, it was, yes, I had bad, bad friends and bad lifestyle choices, but the root cause was I wanted to feel like I belong. Yeah. Look at all my stuff. Will you accept me? I wanted to feel like I belong. Yeah, you want to so, be part of the tribe. So the root, so the root cause wasn't bad with money. It was I had no emotional yeah. mastery. I had no EQ. And that's where schools I mean, dropped the ball. That's where our culture, religion, they dropped the ball. And then we start working, we make a mess. <laughs> mm. We start our marriage, we make a mess. We start business, we make a mess because of EQ. Yep. We put all the focus on IQ. And, and I know what I did to become debt-free was all in the masculine. Like I was in debt, I had to I mean, do those things. Yeah. But to become financially free, that was all in the feminine. Mm, it was more yeah. his intuition. It's, it's a very interesting take because, you know, you, you think of wealth and like if you think of who's the first person you think of when it comes to financial wealth and like somebody like Jordan Belfort, like the Wolf of Wall Street yeah. might come to mind. Yeah. But he was locked in jail, so yeah. that's not very free. Yeah. But this concept of freedom is a very different way of looking at it and approaching of it. And when you think of freedom, it's like, well, who do you think of when it's freedom? And it's not that hard-driven masculine Let's not kick down doors and crush people to make money. Yeah, for of. me, it's Nelson Mandela. Yeah. He comes to mind with freedom. I mean, he came out of prison smiling and dancing, and they yeah. locked him up for 27 years. Like, how? <laughs> <laughs> that's real mastery. That's like, that's a. He came out in the feminine energy, forgiveness. Yeah. And I mean, look at the progress of South Africa's made. Yeah. And yes, we have challenges. I mean, there's not a country that doesn't, but mm-hmm. we're still a very young democracy. And we're yeah. 26 years now in democracy. Or for apartheid that was 60 years and colonization that was 400 years. So it's, we're still very young, but yeah. we have a foundation to build on because he came out with that message of, of forgiveness. Yeah. And let's dialogue, let's talk, like, let's negotiate. Yeah. And that's all feminine. His masculine is <laughs> an eye for an eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there have been a civil his war in South Africa. So when I think of freedom, I think of Mandela and... And his famous quote was, use your freedom to enhance the freedom of others. Yeah. That's true freedom. You don't use your freedom to oppress others and that's, or take that's, advantage of others. That's a life fulfilled for sure. Yeah. I think people, I mean, you can feel some satisfaction and some level of joy and fulfillment in what you can buy with money, but it's not the thing that fills your heart. It's not thing like it's not going to be it's not a legacy mm-hmm. the legacy is what did you what's the impact that you made with made with that mm-hmm. and it's not taking away from the fact that you want to make money like i'm building if, if this business that i'm putting together didn't have strong financial foundations and i knew that it could make money so i'm a numbers guy i wouldn't proceed with it i wouldn't i wouldn't do it mm. so those Things they have to be married together. Yes, so it's not yes, take, integrate the two. Yeah, it's not taking away from the idea of having money, having financial wealth, but it's doing it in a way that 
fills your heart and fills other people's hearts. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's all about putting first things first. So it's not like you can't have the good lifestyle. You can't. You just have to put assets first. If you put assets first, over time, assets will take care of whatever lifestyle you want. Because yeah. like we've been to five countries in the past five months. We've been to 10 countries in the past two years because we have assets. So it's not like if you build an asset base, you're going to live this very small life. No, you can have both, but you need to put first things first. Yeah. Because I went for lifestyle first yes. and I landed my ass deep in debt. And yeah, and this is the, the instant gratification yeah. that people can't get past. It's like they want to go on holidays and they want to take all those photos so they get that instant gratification of, hey, look at us, look at me, I'm living the good life. When if they just didn't take a holiday for two years and they invested that money, well, they might be able to take a holiday forever. And then you pay your credit card bills and you get back from your holiday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't pay your credit card bills. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned before about, would you say the, th the three, when you speak on stage, the three secrets or yeah, the three yeah. something? Tell us about that. Yeah, so I went in and I like studied Forbes Forbes magazine because I believe success leaves clues. And I found stuff that they are doing that was never taught in schools or colleges. And and the first one was, well, the people, they are against saving. Mm. They don't save at all. Yes. It's the dumbest thing you can do because… It's dead money. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace. Your money dies there. And I mean, you put your money with a bank… At least if you spend it, you get something out of it. Yeah. If you put your money in the bank, it dies there and… And the, and the interest rate the bank hands you is insulting. It's an insult. And they use your capital and they borrow it out at massive interest rates and they make all the profits. So banks are just glorified loan sharks. That's all they are. Yeah. And so wealthy people don't save because it's not an asset. Because if your money's in the bank, it's not beating inflation. So it's not appreciating in value. So it's not an asset. And these people that they, it's so sad, they save for 20 years, 30 years. By the time it pays, pays out, they get 60 cents on the dollar. Mm. Let alone the growth, your capital was depleted. The, yeah, yeah the, the, the cost of missing out. So it's massive. Yeah. And you'd, you'd rather want to invest it into your own business or a business that's listed, but you want that money to work for you yeah. and not be rest in peace and dying. In, so... That's the first thing. Wealthy people are against saving. Yeah. And the second thing is, which I get a lot of <laughs> hate mail from this, but I don't care. It's the truth. Wealthy people do not trade. Say Bit that again? Wealthy people do not trade. Okay. Bitcoin, crypto, that's for broke people. Yeah. Wealthy people don't do that stuff. Wealthy people, they get into real assets. Yeah. Because a trader, the forex market, binary options, Bitcoin, it's speculative. Yeah. It's not real. It's not based on anything that's real. And yes, I believe in blockchain technology because that's the future. That's how we're going to vote. That's the future, but not in Bitcoin. To trade a currency, that's for broke people. Mm. So many people say, okay, the, um, that they want to like buy their first stock. They want to look at the market every day. That's how you go broke. Because the thing with that, an investor, we're farmers. So we plant our seed and we forget about it mm. in the background. Yeah, trader, they're trying to work the market, which defeats the whole aim. The whole aim was for the market to work for you. Yeah, yeah, and look, I know people that do remarkably well doing day trading and you know short short term trading, but the amount of time and energy and years that they've invested into that is that's the <coughs> full time job, right? So 
they might be able to create enough wealth out of that, but then they're going to need to invest it into those assets that you're talking about. Because if they're just doing that day trading, well, sure, they might be making good money, but it's still just a job, right? And I agree with you. The thing, like, I'm very curious about crypto and, you know, I've dabbled in some things and I'm holding some things, um, but I don't have any, uh, my philosophy around it is either you put in some money, you sit and hold, and you don't put in more than you can afford to lose. And if I'm going to lose everything in there, it's like well, it's not going to. It shouldn't be a big surprise to me. So I either put it in and hold, or do it full time every day as a career. When you try to play in the middle somewhere, I think that's where ninety nine percent of people lose their money, right? Because they start to try to become a trader. But they've got a job on the side. It's like, well, if you're going to be a trader, be a trader, right? Mm. So the things that the the cryptos that I'm interested in, the are the, the ones that have companies which have a tangible, valuable business proposition and are actually doing doing business. Because I'm a business guy. I've only had businesses since I was eight years old. So my mindset is since you were eight. Since I was eight. <laughs> what did I do when I was eight? <laughs> Not business. <laughs> So I was, yeah, I mean, I was, it was just something that I was blessed with that I needed to figure shit out myself. So I started cleaning boats when I was eight years old and I made little handwritten flyers and put them on the boats around the harbor and created a business. Little did I know that was planting the seed for something, you know. Was that even legal? (laughs) Sounds like child labor. (laughs) Well, I, I think, I mean, that's like, what was that? 1985 or something. So it was legal back then. So... I think people just gave me money because they're just so impressed with an eight-year-old yeah. who's hustling, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know where I was going on that lost <laughs> train of thought. Um, but yeah, my background is business, so that's my lane. And if I try to dabble in something else where, where I have the mindset of, oh, I'm going to get rich out of this, I'm going to get well, well, that's not the right approach. My lane is business. So if I do look at something, then I'm looking at how, what's the business behind this coin what's the business behind this technology you know who are the people behind it so i'm thinking about it from a business point of view and you know that doesn't determine any short-term level of success but i think my take on the whole industry the whole market is it, it hasn't found its feet the technology as you say is sound and it's got a lot of applications which i think is going to be good for humanity but as of now 99 percent of what's happening out there is speculative day trading and people are winning and people are losing and yeah. it's just all oh, it's just all subjective and i mean if you have the right software you can create your own coin yeah so that kills uh, the scarcity um of it which affects your demand and i mean i actually think i uh, like bitcoin it's the biggest artificial um, asset of the 21st century mm. and i mean it's like warren buffett says it's artificial gold if you want to just hedge your your business your stocks Put it in actual gold, <laughs> which which appreciates in value. Not if one or two people tweets, there goes the Bitcoin price. Yeah. And it's not real if one or two people can manipulate the price like that. Yeah. There's no real market mechanisms of supply and demand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can speak for hours about why I'm against Bitcoin and crypto. And All right, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, and the final one, um, yeah, point three is wealthy people do not have jobs. Yeah. Um, if you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, he says, oh, you have a job. 
you just overbroke. Well, we both don't have jobs. And that's ex exactly what we're taught in school. Mm. Get a good job so you can get good benefits. Yeah. That's for broke people. Wealthy people, they employ these other people because they know, um, I call it the casino secret, that the house always wins. Yeah. The house always wins. People can come in there, spend their money, have some fun, but they are going to build bigger and bigger casinos, bigger and bigger resorts because the house always wins. You want to own the house. If you're an employee, you get a small slice of the pie. Yeah. Of, of the pie. When you're the business owner, you make the money because it's your asset. Yeah. You own the house. And, and what you alluded to before about the education system is a, is a critical factor. Because I remember being in school. I, I always had this entrepreneurial spirit. Always. But nobody ever saw it. Yeah. Nobody knew how to nurture it. I didn't kind of knew it was there, but I had nothing to compare it to. I had nobody to talk to about it. The spirit was always there, but it never got nurtured. And I remember being like 15, 16 years old coming to the end of high school and there being so much pressure on mm. what am I going to choose to do at university so that I can choose the rest of my life. And it it's just crazy. It felt at young awful. Age. <laughs> it was like, it was, and I never went to university. It was the best decision I yeah. ever, ever made. And I was lucky to finish high school. I was a fucking rat bag, I'll tell you, but um you know that's another that's another story but i just remember so much pressure and that's just how society is it's like it's pushed into getting a job to being in this situation and it's good now like with the internet you know more people are as i think in the last 18 months a lot of people have started exploring as mm -hmm. well so a lot of people are becoming aware of what's possible or they're studying or they've lost their job and they've now in a situation where okay well now i've got the time and space to explore this so I, I think it's obviously there's a lot of shit things happening because of the last 18 months but i, I think there's a lot of people becoming who, who are making decisions for themselves which is for their future mm -hmm. based on the environment and the circumstances now yeah you know i mean like many times it takes a crisis like to wake people up you yeah. to break them out of that loop yeah because I, because I remember when like COVID erupted last year, like people were saying, how does the Zoom thing work? I was like, I've been on Zoom for five years. Like, yeah. <laughs> so if it wasn't for the crisis, would you ever yeah. investigate the Zoom thing? So yeah. people just have to have a, have a growth mindset. If they have a fixed mindset, like, like this is who I am and this is what I know, that's why you're broke. Mm. You can blame the government, we can... I blame the pandemic, but it's your attitude to be closed and fixed. And I mean, his wealth is really an exchange of value. The more value you bring, the more money you make. Mm. But if you refuse to be in alignment with the needs of the current economy, your value will be like, like very little or is irrelevant. And then the guy that's making money, yeah, we can attack him, but look at the value that he's bringing. Yeah. Look at the technology he's invented. Look at the problems he's solving. And so it's all about, because I have to be honest, okay, I want to make my first million, but your skill set, the value that you bring in, the problem that you're solving, is it worth a million? Yeah. And then you have to go work on yourself, shop on yourself, improve yourself, and then the market will reward that instantly. I think the greatest asset people can have for themselves now is self-awareness. Having the ability to be hyper-aware of what are their patterns and why are they making these decisions? Why do I keep buying that thing? Why do I keep eating that? Why do I keep 
doing this bad behavior. And even if you keep doing it, the fact that you've got some self-awareness and you can start to create some space around these mm. things, well, that's when you've got the capacity to change things and make, make better decisions. And, yeah, self-awareness is the, the yeah. greatest asset people can have now. And, I mean, the first thing is to realize I'm not my labels. I'm not my label. Mm. Like, yes, I come from South Africa. Yes, I'm a male. Yes, I'm brown. Yes, I speak English, but that's not me. That's just the labels. Mm. Once you become aware of your true nature, you're on your way. It's like, I'm not my body. I'm not my mind. I'm spirit. Yeah. And that spirit is abundant. That spirit ain't broke. It's abundant. Yeah. Once you become aware of that, you'll, be, you'll begin to slowly manifest that. Yeah. But, but as many people... They are defined by their labels. I'm like this because this is where I'm from. And we're not saying it's not true. It's true. It's valid. But there's no progress there. Mm. There's no progress. And you can get stuck in those attachments. Like you become attached to that. Yeah. Like you wear it like a badge of honor. This is my that, label. It's stuck in that identity. You know, it's, it's too hard to shift. So you seem like a pretty spiritual guy. <laughs> do, you, um, do you have some practices for yourself? Like are you... Uh, yeah, are you doing things every day? Are you meditating? What are you doing? Yeah, so like I have um, a jab approach. I call it um, I journal, I have affirmations, and yeah. I visualize. So jab. Um, I literally am a journal my way to my first million. You journal the how. Yeah. And I have three abundance affirmations I do um, every single day. You've been um, doing them for how long? Yeah, for like... Probably um, it's almost a decade now. Yeah. And it's just simple. It's I am abundantly wealthy. I am abundantly healthy. Um, I am abundantly loved. Yeah. And it's I because it's, it's personal and it's I am because it's present and abundant. Yeah. And visualization, you have to see the life that you want. And you hold that life. You hold that vision until it manifests. Mm. And that's... Yeah, that's a spiritual I mean, practices I do. Um, but what I'm hearing in this is because a lot of people talk about manifesting and visualizations and stuff. But the thing that I observe with the people who have created something substantial for themselves and they've they've used these you know tools is that it seems to me that the key element in how they're doing it is the important part, which is a level of presence. It's an access to some presence. Now, I don't do those kind of visualizations. I've had different levels of success in my life. But I don't think it's exactly that thing that you're doing. That It doesn't have to be like that for everybody. Exactly. But I think We're the commonality is some level of bringing presence mm. and awareness mm. to that. And obviously, you know, the more that you are focused on that, well, you're going you're gonna to bring that to life. But I think there's different ways to access different ways to access this. And this is why I find this, uh, these conversations around spirituality interesting because it's spirituality, but it's different for everybody. Mm. Everybody's version is different. You know? And that's the best part because yeah. you make it so unique to who you are. Yeah. And that's why I'm that's, that's not the religious. That's the beauty. That's the beauty yeah. in it. Yeah. And that's why I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I can't take another man's doctrine that was written in who knows when and edited so many times that's not real to me yeah i have to personalize it i have to internalize it 
I have to be present with it. So you, you don't just say your affirmations randomly for the sake of saying it. And when you say it, you feel it. This is where I, where I think people go wrong. It's like they learn this technique and it's like, oh, I'm going to go sit there and I'm going to. It's almost like they're aggressive about it. It's like, yeah. I'm going to be abundant. Yeah. I'm going to be abundant. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the right. <laughs> but it's a masculine. <laughs> that's the ego. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not just not being present and you're not surrendering to the to the moment and you're not feeling into that. It's like you're trying to force something. Mm. You can't force manifestation. Manifestation is like, it's the nothingness. Yeah. And I mean, if you're forcing it, you're doing it wrong. Yes. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. It's supposed to be um, a natural, natural flow. And that's why there's this thing known as true manifestation where you only is one to manifest things that makes you more of you mm. and not less of you. So the secret was great for like entry level, but people began to copy and paste. They are oh, like, that's a nice car. I want to just manifest that for me. Or that's a nice person. I want to just manifest that for me. But if you're manifesting stuff, that's not you. You're going to feel empty, unfulfilled and lost. Do you want to, you want to, it's only, I mean, I bring out things that will make you more of you. A better version of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And not less of you or not someone else. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. So what are you, um, what are you investing in? Can you share? We're shifting gears quickly. <laughs> yeah. So I am a big um, stock market guy because like people think the stock market is more risky. Um, actually, if you invent, if you invest into startups or private equity, that's way more risky because yeah. people can just make up stuff on the spreadsheets. If the business is listed, there's so much requirements they passed. Yeah. So I feel and more the, safe the, with listed businesses. And, and most of them have a history. Yeah. They have a history. Yeah. And then obviously you don't put all your eggs in one basket. So I'm primarily I'm invested on the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. And then all the profits I make there I put on the Singapore stock market. That's basically to hedge myself against the dollar. Yeah. To put it in the Sing dollar. Um, uh, but for specifics, I just invest in undervalued stocks. So what that means is when you do your own research, according to your fundamental research, there's more value than what the stock is selling for. Yes. So I don't invest in hype stocks. So I tell people, if the stock has hit the front page, you've missed it. There's too much hype. There's too much attention. And so you don't just want to invest in the Teslas or the Facebooks. Look yeah. deeper. So this is the Warren Buffett strategy of investing Definitely. in the fundamentals, the things that every people are buying and using every day that aren't going away. And you don't invest in the stories, you invest in the numbers. Mm. That's a great story, but I need to see your balance sheets. Yeah. It's all you profitable. Yeah. Um, it's easier sales growing. Yeah. Whereas the traders, they fall in love with the story. They speculate on how big this thing can get. Yeah. But I mean, honestly. Because it's got a picture of a dog on it. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, no one predicted how big Tesla will get. No one. Yeah. If they are, oh, they're lying. <laughs> so it's so. We're not out there trying to predict who's the next Tesla. Yeah. No, we're out there looking for who has more value than what they're selling for. Mm. And I mean, all his wealthy people, his wealthy people, they look for his assets that are undervalued. That's what Mark does with Facebook when he bought Instagram and it's WhatsApp. It was a joke for what they value at now. Mm. He bought it massively undervalued. And that's exactly what I do on the stock market. Mm. Look for value. So how much study and work are you doing to you know look at companies because you know you hear of warren buffett and he spends five hours a day just reading reading reports and yeah. reading the newspaper and whatever his financial 
you know, financial spreadsheets and stuff like this. So. Yeah, when I just analyze a company, it's at least five hours. Yeah. At least. But I love it. I like to look at what is the secret sauce here. Mm. Why are they working while the rest of the companies are just So, so what's something that you have picked up on in those ones that you are investing into that you have seen that is in those companies that's not in something else? Like is there what are the patterns mm -hmm. that you're seeing? Mm. You know, it's like Warren says that you got to have a moat. And so like ancient castles, they had the water moats around, around them yep. to protect them from the enemies. Yep. So if you have a moat, like COVID won't even touch you because you're protected. Yep. So your moat is your uh, unique like selling like proposition. What makes you you? Mm -hmm. What makes you different? If your company is not adding anything new into the market or different, then you mustn't even comp uh, compete. Yeah. If, you, if you don't have an edge, you mustn't compete. Yeah. So right from the beginning, we ask ourselves, what makes this business different from everyone else in its industry? If I can't find that thing, I can't invest in it. Yeah. Because then you're just another number. So it's, what is, what is your difference? And then what's important also is who is the management team? You can have the best goods and services. If it's run by bad people, they'll run it into the ground. Yep. Who is steering the ship? What is, what is have, the track record? Or you could have a a company that's half running, half running well, got a half decent product, and put the right management team in place, and they and can do great things. Yeah. So you're investing into that whole management team, that mm -hmm. whole board. Yeah. Um, human capital, human yeah. talent. And this is that's interesting because, I mean, I've brought seven or eight investors on to help me with Lighthouse, six or seven. <clears throat> And I'm a numbers guy. I spent months on the spreadsheets, projections, multiple models. I'm a numbers guy. Mm. Not one of the investors asked me for the numbers because <laughs> they believe in me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They know I'm the guy to bring this to the world. Yeah. They know I'm going to make it successful. It's partly disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but you're lucky. So, <laughs> other people have to it's prove good. themselves. Because it's like I, I, the numbers are there to back up you know, the concept of the business and at the end of the day, what's going to make it work is not whether I know my projections are good, they can work, but who's going to, who's going to be the people that take it to, to bring it there. Right. So what you're saying is what I'm hearing is when you look at a company to invest in, well, there's a potential opportunity with that business, but are the, those people, the right people to bring to create that opportunity definitely and then there's some businesses where maybe there's less of an opportunity right there's more competition whatever whatever it is there's less margins there's all sorts of factors then it becomes harder to find the right people to, you know to to reach that level of opportunity yeah right and i mean i do is add a bit of my personal um, like beliefs when I pick companies because if I make profits, I want to be able to sleep at night. So mm -hmm. I don't invest into fossil fuel companies. Yes. I don't invest into um, tobacco or gambling companies. I I try as much as I can because I'm only is human, but I try as much as I can to invest in sustainable companies and green companies yes. and because that is where the world is moving that they don't just want to make, make profit, they want to make profit where all stakeholders of the communities benefit yeah. and that's a feminine so it's so it's i mean a property i mean a profit 
I mean, for the collective. Yes. So it's like we're shifting from, okay, there's value here. He's in this company. I'm looking at the assets. I'm looking what they're selling for. There's massive value. Yeah. But what are their but values? But does it tick these boxes What are their well? values? Yeah. How do they treat their people? Yeah. What are they I'm not giving back into the community? What are their values? Yeah. And you'll see like over time that share will grow and grow while the rest are moving sideways because people are more I'm attracted to the values of this company yes. as opposed to just the value. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing I look at is the, is the actual business model, which you touched on with the numbers. So it's in investments where I was saying um, um, revenue is vanity, but profit is sanity. Yeah. Revenue is vanity, but profit is sanity. Yeah. So the goal of business is not to make money, it's to yeah. make a profit. Yeah. So if we look at the business and the profit margins are thin, what's the point? Well, here's, here's an interesting example. People don't realize, I've read something, that the, the airlines in the world, the amount of revenue they do is ridiculous, but the average profit for an airline is 0.38%. It's crazy. Right? All that risk for <laughs> marginal yeah. Marginal profits. Yeah. But where they the reason why they can operate like that is because they're holding so much value in assets and yeah. But they make very little profit. Yeah. Yeah. So like as an investor, we look at the profit margins and not only your revenue yeah. and your sales and your earnings. Yeah. We look at what is the profitability of this company. Yeah. Yeah. So then also you could look at that and say, Well, what might happen in the downturn if the economy turns sideways? Well, can I half predict what might happen with this? Are they going to become more successful? Are they going to be able to uh, withstand some? Can they take some punches? Because those businesses with you know bigger, uh, better cash flow are going to be able to ride through situations that other other companies couldn't. So, yeah. yeah, but but what makes what makes us different as as value investors is we. I mean, invest for the long term. Yeah. Uh, so 10 years minimum. So like yeah. Warren says, if you can't picture yourself holding a stock for a decade, wow. you shouldn't buy it. So we're not saying, what are the shares that will profit now from COVID? Yes. Must I buy PayPal or must I buy Zoom? Buy those. You'll make no profit because those shares are already overvalued. You're not yeah. the first person with that idea. Yeah. So you're buying in at a premium already. Or take a very small portion of your profits from the long term and then put that into what you might call a high risk strategy, which is more that speculative stuff and then you're only playing with a very small amount of money yeah but i mean the way to build wealth is to is to compound your returns not to go high risk yeah see because if you go high risk the quicker you make that money you're going to lose that money yeah wealth that's built over time so we call it we play the long game it's the lg so people say yes high risk high return yes and <laughs> high loss High chance of losing everything. Yeah, and that's why people, um, when they uh, want overnight riches, they lose money overnight. There's actually, I'm a joke, when like Jeff Bezos met, met Warren Buffett, he said, Warren, your business strategy is so simple. And it is. It's so simple. Why doesn't everyone just copy you? And he said, because nobody wants to get rich slowly. Yeah. I was like, that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> if we must name my talk, is how to get rich slowly, no one would. Would log in. <laughs> but that's the secret. Yeah, and Play I think the it's game. the secret to, to everything in life. So like, like I said before, we underestimate what we can achieve in a lifetime and overestimate in a short amount of time. Yeah. Because people get these ideas, oh, I'm going to be wealthy, I'm going to do this, and 
they go hard. They go too hard, too fast, and they mm. don't have this mm. ten year, ten year plan. This mm. ten year objective. Yeah. And that was me when I was um, mid twenty one. I got my first paycheck. I thought I made it. <laughs> one paycheck, and I thought I've arrived. I'm a rich man. Let's go hard. Let's let's live the vida loca. And I went broke. Yeah. And now I'm a lot more patient now. I'm a lot more chill now. And many people that want to make money, tell them, you know, if you calm down, you might make more money. Yeah. If you tap into your intuition and less intellect, you will make more money. And this is where 99%, why 99% of day traders lose yeah. because they lose a little bit and then emotionally they're like, I'm going to make this back. So then they just go harder and they're trying to compensate and then they just end up. Yeah. Losing, and imagine your mindset. Everything. If you just make a loss and now you're buying another stock, you're going in there with a the paranoid, toxic, stress mindset. You're going to yes. lose more money. Yeah. And that's a problem. It's to, you're not in control of your um, emotions. And that's why I tell people it's okay to hustle hard at the beginning. Like that's what I did. I worked for, uh, for four years. I just had to just hustle to get myself out of debt. But what I did to be debt-free wouldn't work for financial freedom. Mm. There I had to let go of the his hustle culture. And now I've realized that uh, his hustle culture is a broke culture. Because the top 1% has you tricked to hustle for them and yeah. build their his assets. And we don't see it because it feeds our ego. We're like, look, I got five hours of sleep last night and look what I've built. Yeah. Okay, but you're shortening your lifespan. Yeah. It makes no sense. You're making that guy rich. So that he can fly off to space yeah. with your and the, the thing I'm always time. the thing I'm always pointing out to people because like people are, you know like they get contacted by business coaches every second day like hey I can help you like my f number one and I and I probe people I'm like yeah. okay question number one if you stop working as a business coach how much money did you make yeah second question yeah if you stop working as a business coach does your business keep growing yeah if you can't answer yes to both of those questions sorry. You don't qualify to coach me. I love it. I love it. You know, when people <laughs> I'm say, a dick about it sometimes. No, but no, but we have to get real with people because people are broke because they take advice from broke people. And when people like introduce me and say, Oh, and here's Richard Arrington, he's a wealth coach. I'm like, please, I'm not a coach because coaches are broke. I'm not a coach. Mm -hmm. I'm an investor. And I mean, even now when I get invited to speak and stuff, I'm not a speaker. I'm an investor. Yeah. Because you're not gonna build wealth through speaking or coaching, none of that stuff. Yeah. That is that's for broke people because you're trading your time for money, time for money. And you might get money, but you're time poor. And the only way to break out of that is to build your asset base. Mm, yeah. um, slowly, it's every year, you grow in your net worth. And then when you coach and you speak, it's because you want to. Yeah. Well, it, mostly it's because people want to build their profile. And, you know, there's, there's an ego mm. part of that that's attached to that. And, yeah, sure, there's some strategic um, value in, in that, of course, but for the most part people are just trying to be famous for the sake of being famous yeah. but i mean a business coach a life coach they're just hilarious because <laughs> yeah let's not go down that rabbit, rabbit hole yeah <laughs> so how do you how do you spend your time how do you spend your time how do you spend your days yeah so practically um is i just buy like new stocks once a month yeah so i do that five hour his research i spoke about usually in the last week of the month so throughout the month i'm um, they're busy with uh, my projects, philanthropy. We're actually building our own version of Netflix now, but for wealth and investing. So mm -hmm. that's a lot of my time at the moment. But but I'm free from being behind the laptop. Yeah, I tell people that a life behind a laptop is not a life. 
So the only time I'm like researching my stocks is once a month. Yeah. The rest of the month I'm free to do my philanthropic work. Yeah. And 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 I'm on a ten year mission now to empower one billion people with the tools to set themselves financially free by twenty thirty. Yeah. And it's important uh, to set themselves financially free. Because like coming from South Africa, we got our pol- political freedom from Nelson Mandela and the freedom fighters. But when it comes to financial freedom, no one will fight for you. Yeah. You have to set yourself free. The best we can do is hand you the tools, but you need to do it. Yeah. So I'm very focused on my, my yeah. mission now. So I like what you said about it's a, it's a valuable thing to highlight. The fact that you only do research or you do you do a trade once a month is when you talk At about free, when you talk about freedom, people think that freedom comes from from money, but actually freedom lives nowhere but here. And the fact that you don't even have to think about anything that is real freedom. It's not having your you know your your pockets full of cash that yeah I can spend whatever I want anytime I want. It's the, it's the peace of mind. It's the freedom from not being shackled mm. to something, not having to turn up. You've got ultimate choices. Mm. So I think that's just a good thing to, to highlight. And that's actually the three levels of freedom. So the one is financial freedom. Once you're financially free, then you've got choice freedom. So yep. you're free to have location freedom, like do what you want with who you want. You can choose with who you want to work with. But right on the top there, is emotional freedom mm. and that's exactly what you're talking about yep. where you don't need to worry about money anymore or stress about money you have this emotional freedom and i think this is also where you can have the most impact as well because a lot of people have ambitions of oh, i want to change the world and i want to do this and I want, but they don't have any money mm. so then the, at some point their mind has to be on i've got to put food on the table yeah. so they cannot be in that space of creating impact. Mm. But when you can, like you said, get to that third level where you have emotional freedom, you're clear, you have this, the space, you have the, the energy, you have the resources to put into whatever it is that you, what, what your legacy is. And I, I've said my way of saying it before is like, you have to feed the fucking dog. Mm. You have to feed the dog first, mm. right? If you don't feed you, the dog, the family, then you're not going to change the world. You're not yeah. going to do any of these things. Yeah, you can't you look help the world out. Going to help the world out of a cup that's empty. Yeah, you have to fill your own cup first. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all about that success with a small s. You need that. You need to get your financial freedom, your health. Mm-hmm. If you're sick, you can't even leave your bed to help anyone. Yeah, you need to get that success with a small small s. But once you're there, don't stop there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's so much more. There's a purpose for that success and. That's actually I mean, exactly why money ruins the lives of like celebrities, athletes, musicians, is because there was no vision of a big S. Yeah. So that money consumed them. And that's why I have my vision for I'm a billion people intentionally. So I'm creating space inside. So the more resources I get, it flows. Yeah. Um, it flows through me. It won't consume me because, because the need is yeah. so much greater. So it's like I have money, but money will never have me. Yeah. It's a right relationship with money. I like that. Save that one as a quote. (laughs) Save that as a quote. (laughs) No, but but I'm so serious about this because I come from a Christian background where it's noble if you're broke. It's more spiritual if you're broke. That's nonsense. The more blessed you are, the more you can be the blessing. You can actually help people practically. 
So I tell people that money is not my God. Money is my servant. I don't just work for money. Money works for me. Mm. I have the right relationship with money. And if you get that relationship right, you'll see the fruits. Many people, they think the problem is with their, uh, like their talent, their skills, their knowledge. Yeah, that's a part of it. But the bigger um, the problem is you have such a toxic relationship with money. Because mm. you were raised in a, in a starvation economy or a starvation family. And when people mention money, you just you close. Yeah. You wanted to be with people. Where the self, this is the self-awareness part, yeah. right? Because people don't necessarily have the self-awareness that that is going on. And that's why like we're there to just poke holes and be like, you know what? <laughs> Money's not your problem. Yeah. It's your self-awareness. It's your self-image. It's your identity. It's your labels. It's your story. Your attachments. Your yeah. attachments. It's what is, what do you think about rich people? You think they are, it's all evil. It's all bad. Subconsciously, you're repelling money. Yeah. If you flip that and be like, what can I learn? What can I admire there? Subconsciously, you're opening it. Yeah. You don't have to admire everything, but no. what, are the, what are the lessons there? Yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah. take the bones and you spit out. No, you take the meat and you spit out the bones. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to take everything. Yeah. And you don't have to follow Jeff Bezos, but you can learn from Warren Buffett. Like you can pick and choose what serves you and what is... Like toxic, you just let that go. But we can't like blanket everyone and be like, um, no, money's bad because of this person. Mm. That makes no sense because I can I can show you a good millionaire, a good yeah. billionaire. So yeah. it's not the money. Yeah, money just amplifies what is there in people. Yeah. Just amplifies what's there. The great amplifier. Yeah. So, um, Richard, this has been super cool. I've got two questions. Two questions <laughs> left for you. Um First question is, so we mentioned about the flying to space, Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos, Elon yeah, Musk, yeah. all doing this space travel thing. Yeah. Yay or nay? Hell nay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think if you look at what, what we are going through right now as a species, I think it's a big, it's a big slap in the face mm. at all of us that you don't like give a shit about the world, yeah. that you're more interested on the space race, which just feeds the ego. So there's nothing wrong with going to space. It's why don't you sort out like fresh water problems? Do problems. that as well as on top of secondary to yeah. feeding people water, sanitation, healthy soil. Yeah. And I mean, you made your fortune off the backs of humans. Mm. The Virgin Group, um, his Amazon group. Why not? help them and give back and stuff and um, yeah so it's very sad but it's again it's it's awareness of how far we disconnected yeah from from each other so if richard branson knew that even like they were person in asia or in africa is so far we're still one we're still connected that's my brother that's my sister let them make sure they have food and water before i spend billions on this rocket yeah yeah so we've lost we've lost that empathy we've lost that connection yeah and so we take the business advice from them, investment yeah, and advice, and then we add empathy yeah. with that. And, but this is why I, I, what I ponder on is, do does Jeff Bezos, who has become wildly wealthy because of people's consumerism, does he know, is he playing on the fact 
that portion of the world is living in this situation and it is this disparity between people that is keeping people in that consumer mindset which keeps feeding his business, right? Does he know this? And I think he does. Mm -hmm. I think he's a pretty smart guy. Mm -hmm. So that's the that's the question mark mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. But I'm also also very mindful about my judgments of these people as mm -hmm. well. Like if I'm going to hate on that person, mm -hmm. well then where's that coming from? Mm -hmm. What are the lessons that I can learn and like we've been talking about, you know, what what can I take from that and then use it to my own advantage so that I can potentially join him or make a difference or do something that's that's maybe different. Yeah. yeah yeah look i like to use the five minute rule save you yeah some some like things like that then you get angry feel the anger yeah. let it out for five minutes and then what are you going to do with your own life yeah see because when i was in the debt space i was like worrying about the debt i was focusing on the debt and the debt became worse because i was feeding it with that focus and that energy so we must speak about it because what we don't express we suppress and we get depressed, so we have to let it out, but for five minutes, and yep. then we move on. Yeah, and so that's what it's it's about. We can like hate on them for five minutes, yep. and then the rest of the day we build in our own brand and vision because we have to, because they're not going to take care of us. <laughs> so you have to take care of yourself. Yeah, the more you sit in that in that energy of you know comparing and yeah. hating and oh, it's, it's the worst. Yeah, exactly. So I got one final question for you, but. Before I do that, I um, just want to make sure people have access to you. What's the mm. best way to connect with you on Instagram? Yeah, the best is Instagram yeah. at Rich Life Bali. Okay. So we will make sure people have got the links. And um, But thank you very much for coming on. It's very much appreciated. This has actually <laughs> been a pretty cool conversation. Um, yeah, to weave these topics of wealth and making a difference and uh, spirituality is, I think it's important. Mm. Yeah. And, weaving in this way of talking about it from a feminine nurturing perspective mm -hmm. yeah i think it's important so good work thanks man it was so much fun <laughs> um, <laughs> we covered a lot <laughs> last final question and that is i ask everybody if you had the one-time superpower of mental telepathy and you could share a message with all 7.8 billion people on the planet one short meaningful message what would that message be one message. One short, meaningful message for all 7.8 billion people on the planet. No pressure, no pressure. Is that the message? No, no pressure? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, no, but no matter how, how dark your situation might feel or be, light comes in the morning. That... Is everything is temporary, nothing is permanent. No matter if it looks like that, nothing is permanent. Everything is seasonal. It's everything is temporary. And the good news is winter never follows winter. Winter never follows winter. So. Unless it's Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not Game of Thrones. <laughs> so so yeah, you're just hanging there. Things is always change. Uh, the this universe has your back and you'll get pleasantly surprised. But yeah. just have that expectation that you know that good things is around the corner. And seasons always change. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. That will be my, be my message. Yeah. <laughs> nice little reminder, man. That's beautiful. Well said. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you next time back down the rabbit hole. Make sure you go check out Rich. Rich Life Bali. Rich Life Bali. And uh, tune into some of his videos and his wisdom. And uh, see you next time. Much love.